It is a Monday edition, the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson in the house, Derek Hansen uh, on location, and what a weekend in sports. Monday's hit here on the show, and we we have a power hour, and it's, there's a lot to unpack and a lot of different angles uh, to go today. Obviously, from the prep bowl scene in, in Minnesota, uh, Barnesville bringing it home. You heard Brian Strand, just genuine Brian Strand right there. And if you're DGF today, I said earlier on our brother station, it, it, it is truly the thrill of victory and the absolute agony of defeat. But it shouldn't, you know, bring down and, and make any less the, the season that DGF had. Uh, over the weekend in FCS playoffs, it's good to be. There's no. I think it was Dorothy that said there's no place like like yeah, went to chalk in the. <laughs> no I mean, that usually like doesn't home. do that. Although there were a couple close calls. There however. were some close calls, uh, and then and North Dakota State decided to almost rush for 500 yards, Holy and cow. that's probably going to win you most football games. Even though maybe it took a eh, not too long, but it's, long enough to to get that into four in, in, plays. In, in. They had for what was it 200 and. 71? Let me look at it. I, yeah. I, well, I, they, I tweeted it out. because I, I think between Kobe and, and Tamaric, they rushed, what, 307 in go. that game? Here we go. Uh, NDSU had four TD runs that accounted for 284 yards. Four. Four. They call those big the, – the, the, Chunk plays the chunk is what plays, they call. You know, the other coaches might refer to those as – but chunk plays is usually the you – know, and some, some are a little different, like 20-plus uh, you know, yards or 30-plus is a chunk – well, these were like 68 and 48 yeah. and 47 all that. 68, 68, 73, and 75. Oh, there you go. Yeah, those that'll that'll get her done uh, on that. The, and then Montana forgot to tackle, too. Forgot kind of to a, wrap kind of, up. Kind of a problem. Uh, you know what? And and, and could have, obviously the line, and, and, and Coach Houck knew that going in from Montana. I mean, he talked about that. We, we got a, Our concern is that, that front, and we got to find a way. And, and uh, that front's good. And to Cam Miller... You know, that school has been through some tremendous, you know, set the bar. I mean, you know, when you can go back, you can go back to Benny and Simi and you can go to recently, you know, Brock, and, and you can start rolling through Carson Steve and Easton Walker. and Trey and Steve Walker. And and Miller became this guy that was like, well, okay, just kind of manage the game. And we might use another guy to come in and run a little bit. But I'll tell you, last few weeks, <laughs> he's running like Barry Sanders did in the in the backfield for Detroit. Yeah. Uh, so give him some credit. You know the line obviously does it, but but that's all good. So we'll get to that. That's a Friday night uh, quarterfinal game against Samford on uh, Friday at the fabulous Fargo Dome. Vikings get a win. <laughs> and Viking fans, if if you got if you paid your ticket, got to be this tall to take this ride. If you paid your ticket to get on the ride, enjoy every second of it. Because you know what? We'll say it again. There is no such thing as a bad win in the National Football League. For that matter, college football. For that matter, any football, uh, it, it's it's a win. So it's so good for that. Christian Watson is, uh, I don't know if he's solidified, R-O-T-Y, but I'll tell you, making a pretty darn good case for a rookie. He's done it like about four weeks. Yeah, you know, he went from he went from I dropped a pass, my dropped my first NFL pass, and right. then he was hurt, and it just seemed like it was going to be a lost season. And boy, everything has isn't that everything incredible? Has flipped on its head in a month. Isn't that incredible? Cool. Um, uh, I asked the question. We'll bring Derek in here in a second. I asked the question uh, also down the hall this morning on a sportscast. FCS players that have had an immediate major impact at the National Football League. Now, if Green Bay were, were challenging Minnesota, 
for a divisional title, that'd be one thing. And Watson was doing this, then then really, can you imagine how how large the conversation would be? But FCS players that have made in their rookie season have made the biggest immediate impact for their team. Watson now has to probably be in that in that discussion. Cooper Cup certainly was was very good, but you know, I don't John- know. Was, did David Johnson? And that's move the right other away. name I'm thinking about, Der- uh, Brad. I brought that up, Derek. Because he made a, a, an impact that kind of burst onto it like, holy cow. So if you, if you have any other FCS that, you know, I just spitballing, but that would be, that's a good get, Brad. That's, that's a name that I thought. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but we'll get to that. Uh, I was in Detroit. I got back late last night, but a uh, nice big win for the Fighting Hawks ladies picking off Eastern Michigan in their house, in the, in the house that George Gervin built, one of my favorite Basketball players of all time, the Iceman George Gervin. So broadcasting yesterday, I was at uh, George Gervin Game Above Center in uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. David Johnson, his first year was 15, started five games at 581 yards, really hmm. broke on the scene the following year. Second year, okay. 1230, well, he had, uh, he had over 2,000, actually about 2,100 all pur- all- all-purpose rushing and receiving yards. So that was the second year. 16, okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe even I'd even have to bring up Cooper's first year, you know, too. But he was over. He was over. He had five eighty one rushing, four eighty or four fifty seven receiving in his first year. So I wasn't too. Bad. And not too bad. Oh, I God. mean, I mean, Watson has put together touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. So that's the question. FCS guys that had the immediate big impacts in their rookie year. You know, Carson obviously went from clipboard to starter, and then you know that that story of I mean, that that. Yeah. Then the, yeah, his rookie year he. He was not too shabby. Yeah, we were, we were trying to figure out in Philly where they're going to put the statue right next to Rocky. I mean. <laughs> That's exactly right. Derek, uh, be remiss. I mean, we, we kind of laid a lot on the table there out of the gate, and everybody can uh, uh, text in at 35270. You're good, bad, ugly, and great from the weekend. Derek, uh, congratulations to Barnesville, hometown. You could take it. I don't know when you exhaled. <laughs> was it an hour after the game or the second it was done, Derek? Yeah, it was, uh- well, I mean, once it happened, it was just, you know, I was kind of surprised I didn't get emotional because sometimes I do. And uh, I seeing Brian Strand on the big screen, it, you know, seeing him get emotional, I had to look away because then I would have. But I think it was just so euphoric because, I mean, it's been such a long time coming. And and uh, I know how hard these kids work. I have, you know, friends of mine I graduated high school with who kids are a part of that team, you know. So it's just, it meant a lot to the community. You know, looking at many of the generations that have played football there and, you know, and certainly the group from about 2000, 2009 until now that made going to state kind of a regular part of the uh, football goals. You know, that that uh, that really is fun to see. And I, 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 I it's just a really a nice thing for the community to finally be able to put one of those big signs as you're coming into town that we have a state championship finally. It's interesting when Derek talks about emotion. We'll get to the phone calls too at two three seven thirty seven sixty seven or triple eight four five eight six nine two six. Emotion runs high when you're in a title game, if you win it, because there's one end of emotion is that we're emotional because they won it. And Tate Edinger, by the way, I said earlier, if you had him on your fantasy high school football team, you probably fared pretty well. I text Derek. I said, now Barnesville wins a state title, that they throw. Three touchdown passes. I said, Air Strand, right there. Air Strand, right. First time ever. But you, you get emotional because of what Derek just said, because of 1978 and, and recent years where they've been there but didn't win it. Or you get emotional because you won it and you're never sure if you're going to again because it's tough to do. 
or you're just emotional because you just flat out won a championship for the first time ever. There's really different ways to look at this, Derek, right? Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just the hard work, I think, more than anything, the so close, but yet so far in different years, especially the semifinal game last year against Chatfield that, I mean, to say it got away from them, you know, it just was, that was a heartbreaker amongst heartbreakers. And we'll get the heartbreakers on the bit here, but, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, just, I think there's been so many people that have just, you know, no whether basketball or football or whatever it might be, they've been so close, but yet so far, and here they are, they finally get to hold of a banner. Yeah, that's great. I, I I don't know how many messages I got or looked at social media regarding Dilworth, Glenn, and Felton, and I get it. It was ESPN's oh, number one play, uh, top 10 plays. It was number one on New London Spicer, the throw down. Didn't look like a designed hook and ladder. It looked like a out of necessity that hook looked and like ladder. like a backyard yeah. play, right. Um, and then I don't know how soon after I started getting a message and then a, a tag to this going, you know, two, two men in motion, like an illegal shift or illegal right, motion. Right, right, right. And if you look at the video, it's subtle, but it, that is, to you, me, it looked like it. Yeah. You know, and that's unfortunate for DGF. So, you know, we move on. In a moment, we'll all uh, get in line. Who wants to be Chris Kleiman's new agent? Uh, also today, today in the program, congratulations to K-State and yeah. the, fi- the Final Four in college football. Uh, you know, we, we'll get into that, too. So, Texter says, uh, good, uh, actually the great, Jordan Summers' performance. And, boy, they just, that that boy ran about two years of carries in one season. <laughs> right. he did. I think he had about 2,300 <laughs> 2, yards. And that offensive line, uh, good DGF effort and heartbreaking loss. Bad Vikings pass defense between the ten. Um, uh, one thing as well, I I was uh, science fell science short to page. Oh, oh that man, was Brad. Um, Brad. Uh, I was I, I I muttered the whole. I, I'll tell you what, watching a game when you're emotionally involved like I was, <laughs> you're, you're not there. Tough, right? Really hard for you. I bet I, I was cussing and. Yeah, <laughs> cussed and sweared. Like, come on, let's. Yeah, that's but it tough. Was, it was a. Um, it was honestly, it was an ugly game. It was a really ugly game. I think Science had three turnovers, had a field goal blocked, or missed a field goal, had an extra point blocked. Going in to tie it on the two point conversion, they're going in. Ball gets popped out at the goal line. Oh man, it was a mess. And uh, but uh, congrats to Izzy and the boys. That's not easy to. No, to play a quote unquote national championship on somebody else's field. And yeah. that's uh, I'll just leave it. At that. Yeah, we uh, yeah. There's just, like I said, there's so much to unpack today, which is awesome, and we'll take it all. We've left someone on on hold here for a while, but we kind of laid out the schedule yes. here. But yep. should we get to line yep. two? I guess. Yes, caller, go ahead. Hi. Hey, can you guys hear me? You got it. What's up? Oh, I just you know I was on hold so long. The Vikings figured out how to fix that between the ten pass defense. <laughs> Fat chance. Right. <laughs> That's legit. And, and, any, anyway, I got a good, bad, ugly, and great for you. Yeah. Good, I'm going to go Vikings because they won. But can we put like a caveat on there? And like, could they just, can they give us a win where they look kind of more convincing and, and better put together for, you know, like a nine point or more win for once here? It's great that they're, what are they, are they nine and oh now or something or won their last nine when it's a, a one possession, one score game, something like that. I think I saw. And a few weeks ago, I'd have uh, said, "Wait till next week when they play Detroit. Then they'll have a convincing win." Now you can't say that anymore because Detroit. <laughs> Not at all, right? Oh, we just lost him. Oh, right. call back. Anyway, yes. Well, the poor fella stayed on hold for twenty four hours. And well, here's the weird part about it. I mean, it was call back if you want. Um, 
the first couple series, Cousins starts 0-5. The Jets are really kind of threw some wrinkles out there. They just didn't look right. And then all of a sudden it went to 20-3. to Right. And then you got a chance to bury him. Or it was 17-3. Yeah. You got a chance to bury him. You only get three. And then they go down and kick a field goal. And then just like, eh, 20-6. Nah. Right. Yeah. I, I tell you, and Derek, by the way, I was sitting after the, the game I was doing at Eastern Michigan yesterday, and we had eaten, you know, got in the bus, uh, you know, the, the player got their shower in and all that. We get on the bus, we go to eat. And I'm in downtown Ypsilanti at, at this Italian uh, place waiting for my salad and really plain hamburger to arrive to my table because I'm allergic to the entire establishment. And they got TVs on everywhere. And obviously they got the lions everywhere. I'm right outside of Detroit. But one little t- television that I couldn't see had the Vikings game on. So Nolan Potter, our athletic trainer, he goes, ooh, Jets. I'm like, what? That game's over. Because I had checked my phone like Brad was saying, Derek. And I said, that game's over. He goes, no, it's not. And I looked back not and I'm like, what close. the heck just happened right here, for goodness sakes, Steve? So, you know. It's it's bonkers. I mean, just how they do this all the time. I mean, it's just in their finding a ways. That's the thing. I mean, it's just different from most years to win nine games within one score and finding a way to get that interception that you need at the end. That's just not what I'm used to as a Vikings fan. Let's go back to two. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. But we still got to do it there? in January. <laughs> That's right. Yes, I got you now. Sorry that you cut off. You've earned your right today. Oh. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, no, the bad I was going to say um, was uh, just the uh, the Wolves, unfortunately. They they lost Carl Anthony Towns there. And uh, sure, they went one and one. But, um, boy, that effort they had against the uh, OKC team was pretty ugly. And uh, I think in the two games since Towns went down, Gobert's got like six points and five rebounds and an ejection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Talk about trying to put anyway. a finger try to try to put a finger on a pro sports team in Minnesota. Try to put your finger on the pulse of, of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. It's his middle. All over the place. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well the the great I was just gonna say was and Derek probably knows where I'm going with this, was the Michigan win in the college football playoff thing because they uh they finally got it right. And uh, it looks like we may get a proper, appropriate Georgia-Michigan national championship game. Yeah, impressive. Yeah, the old old beast. Yes, that's what it would be, right? I mean, that, you know, we just forget about teams of one or two losses and that argument. You just have those two play it off. You know, that's what it would have been. And I don't think anyone would complain about that too much. But you know, in this year it just kind of works out that way. Boy, twelve teams. You know, it's going to be interesting because TCU loses lose a close game against a top oh, yeah. 10 opponent in Kansas State. And, and and that's fine. But, you know, when you have 12 games, these conference championship games are not going to mean as much anymore. You know, like USC would probably be in, yeah. even though they lost and got drubbed. And so, yeah, that, that's going to be one the one negative thing about this. Well, and, and the nice thing about what they did, too, is that they're not having Ohio State and Michigan rematch. You know, Ohio State's the four and yeah. uh, TCU's the three. So it's not going to be that silliness of – you know the, uh, you know the two teams from the same conference are going to play in the semifinal or, or, or whichever. You know, which uh, there's there's arguments, of course, back and forth on strength of schedule and all of that jazz. But I I don't know. I I have to say I'm I'm actually su- surprised or pleasantly impressed with the fact that they didn't uh, they didn't rearrange. You know the the one two three four. So. Anyway, you guys have a great day. Appreciate it, and uh, have a great week. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. I'm going to throw this at you, fellas. 
And uh, ladies tuning in, I'll throw this at you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I do a little research on this. The uh, the Buckeyes and the Wolverines have never played outside of their annual regular regular season game, and this this dates back, Derek, to 1902. Brad, I mean that that's pretty. <laughs> so that's and somebody can do the check on that, but I don't believe they've played outside of their annual. Well, I I can't regular see that. They, they, so they wouldn't have played a bowl game. So nineteen twenty, that's one hundred and twenty yeah. twenty years of rivalry football. That that's got a little, now, a little now, angle to now it. Now I want to root for that, right? You got that. <laughs> I want to know what that's like. I want to know. But I but I'm kind of rooting for TCU though. Just says I've, I've just. It would, well, just, it would be fun to just have them sneak in, but I don't know if they will. What do you think, uh, Kleiman whispered there in the coach's talk? Like you deserve to be in. You're going to. That's probably what he was talking well, about. I, right? I'm glad they got in. Yeah. I hope that wasn't. You know, they were going to let Alabama or somebody else in there. I'm glad they made the final four. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, Ohio State will face Georgia in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, and Michigan faces TCU in the Fiesta Bowl on a December 31st. That is the uh, that is the date for those. Those games. We'll take a timeout. I'm assuming that's Doc on two. Uh, join the roundtable. Uh, Jack Michaels show. Brad Anderson, Derek Hansen, Doc Phil, your calls, your texts. And we're coming to you live from the Gunnerson Jewelers Studio. OMG, oh my Gunnersons, make it easy to say I do with a custom design wedding ring. Gunnersons, Uptown in Maine, West Fargo, or Gunnersons.com. More after this on 740 The Fan. Give me the news, I got a bad case loving you. Doctor? 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 Me. What's up, guys? We're talking college football so much. You know, in, in a baseball terminology, you know what the argument always is? Well, not always is, but we bring up in Major League Baseball, Doc Phil, Brad Anderson here, Derek uh, jumping over. Got, got some things to do today, so he may rejoin us here in a minute, but... Uh, in the baseball, we talk about, do you need the Yankees? Like, do you need that villain team in the postseason because they're the evil empire and they got 27 champions? Like, do you need – so when you translate that to college football and the way the playoffs are now, and now it's four, and, of course, that's going to expand and eventually going to have that. But it's always to Alabama. You know, do, and here's a year. Now, Alabama's not in there. Do you need Alabama to be in this four to make this college football, you know, the, these four are really viable, you know, fueled up because they, of course, have been the standard of it. So I'll throw that question out. It, Brad, you had mentioned I'm kind of pulling for TCU. It's kind of that underdog, you know. Yeah, I, didn't, I mean, you've got a blue blood in Michigan who hasn't been there too often lately. Right. And, you know, you got Georgia. I don't know if we would consider a blue blood, but they certainly have been in the playoff before. And you've got – Kind of the upstart in TCU and uh, in Ohio State. That's, I don't that's, think you need Alabama. I think you're the four you have are fine. You like these four, Doc. Yes. I'll throw that at you. Uh, what do you think? Do we need the Alabamas to be involved? And well, first of all, <laughs> Nick Saban, and he might not be wrong. Saban says, "If we, what was his quote? If we played uh, any of these teams, do you think we'd be the under? It was kind of in that that." Do you think we'd be the underdog no. or not? I don't know. And then people are probably going, well, maybe not. I don't Got know. Point there. Doc, what do you think? After his little interview at halftime on Saturday night, absolutely not. Okay. We don't need, we don't need Alabama. <clears throat> um, I think it, it really shows the parity in college football, and that's good. I think you want to get parity. I don't think you want the same team over and over. 
And quite frankly, all right, Alabama, here's your chance. Just don't lose those two games, and you would have been in. So it's you know it's all up to you. Why did you lose the two games? Well, you know, sorry, but we're going to get the four best teams in there, and I think they did a good job. Committee Chairman Boo Corrigan, and by the way, that's a fantastic name, Boo Corrigan. The uh, he's the AD at NC State. He sent Ohio State's big wins over Penn State and Notre Dame help push the Buckeyes in over Alabama. So that was the, uh, you know, an Alabama well, sending a five. Two losses, too. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick and tired of everybody saying the SEC is the best, SEC is the best. I don't think so anymore. I think that the, the playing field is starting to level out a little bit. And, and quite frankly, I think the Big Ten is starting to take a little bit more of a uh, a bigger presence, as is the Pac-12. I mean, unfortunately, you know, USC lost and – but Utah's a fantastic team. And think about this. Utah could go for quite a while. As soon as USC and UCLA get out of the Pac-12, who's left? It's going to be Oregon and Utah, really. Um, so, I, you know, I, I I don't get it with, with Nick Saban. I mean, there's there's times, and you know, I think he just needs to understand, you know, you can't always be at the top of the pile. And, uh, okay, you didn't get there. Why didn't you get there? Uh, refocus and retool and work on it and get better next year. USC joining, for those of you who forgot, by the way, USC joining the Big Ten in, what, 24? And uh, UCLA, UCLA joining the Big Ten at the start of 24-25 season. And this all because the shakeup and the move that, what, Oklahoma and Texas had announced their departure to the SEC. So we're seeing a little a shift over here. Yeah, the SEC is getting some, as Brad mentioned too, blue blood type programs. But the Big Ten getting some blue blood type programs here, Docs. So the Big Ten having a half of the field represented in the Final Four this year and in, in the years to come, having the addition of USC and UCLA. How big and robust is the Big Ten going to be in years to come? Well, I, I think it, it just probably makes everyone better. Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten is now coast-to-coast. It literally is a coast-to-coast conference, whether that's good or whether that's bad. But, uh, you know, historically, USC has always been a a very storied program, especially in football. UCLA, not so much. But, but, I mean, they're still very, uh, very strong and very successful programs, and I think it'll enhance the the overall uh, Big Ten uh, footprint and the Big Ten uh, presence throughout the country. I'm beginning to think that uh, there's a disparity in budgets for FCS schools and FBS schools. <laughs> so I'm thinking, remember, remember when UND was, you know, we were in the big sky that thought, well, this, it's more feasible to be, you know, in the Valley, and it is because, you know, the travel budgets. I mean, granted, I did a number of games in the big sky. That's a pretty good chunk of change when you're flying over the country. And as you just mentioned, the Big Ten, probably not really paying attention to that, uh, that flight schedule across the country for conference games. That doesn't come to the equation, Phil. No, I mean, there's only so much money to go around, and, and, the, and the sponsors are going to put it where they get the most bang for the buck, literally, and that's in, in FBS. Uh, so, I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it's interesting. You hear some of these FBS schools, they want to go up, and it, but, you know, it's just not an easy thing, you know. Um, maybe James Madison can make it happen, but you know you hear it all the time. Oh, NDSU wants to go up because they beat a couple of Division One A programs. Yeah, I mean that's that's great. You know, you maybe caught them at the right time, but the reality is, takes money. Your budget, has, your your budget has to increase probably fourfold. I mean, the athletic budget at the University of Michigan, and I can't remember exactly what the number is, but it's over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, 
and now talk about Ohio State and now start going through right. some of the other ones. Yeah, it's, it is it is actually it's, it's, incredible. It's phenomenal, the money. And, and I don't care how many team makers you have, you can't raise that much money. And, and then, I mean, the thing that makes them go is the Big Ten Network and the TV contracts um, and, and all the other things that, that spin off of that. And, and I just don't see, uh, you know, or the FCS, I mean, uh, can can make that go. I mean, the FCS con- the situation is there for for a reason. It's the schools that are down a level, you know, that can't compete with those from a monetary monetary standpoint, and probably a uh, you know an athletic um, you know recruiting standpoint as well. Um, but you know, be happy with where you're at. Be just be successful, and uh, you know, and move on. I mean, if it's if it's that important to you, then uh, you know, you want, you want to take another look at it, but I, I just don't think that that can happen. By the way, I was just doing a quick research here on your, your Michigan uh, opera budgets, uh, projected budgets, also athletic department projects uh, balanced budgets based on uh, operating expenses, $201.9 million. And, yeah. and, and, re- remember, and revenues of- that equate that, but yeah. And remember, a lot of that is not funded by the state. It's funded by, you know, the outside donors in the athletic department, especially the coaches' salaries and things like that. You know, you hear all these huge numbers. you got to remember, a lot of that isn't funded through the state, those coaches' salaries and things. That's funded through internally through donations and and the money that comes in from the uh, from the boosters and everything else. To that point, uh, and we talked about this earlier, you know, it couldn't be, you know, those that have had a chance to bump into Chris Kleiman and, and get to know Chris a little bit, and uh, you know what a what a, what a darn good guy he is, and, and obviously a, a good coach. He, he's we talk about this often, you know, you know, some coaches maybe you don't you don't root for as much, maybe they come over a little bit more of this and a little more of that, and then there's those that are just roll up your sleeve coaches. And uh, it yep. thoroughly enjoy what they do in building and 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 feeding into a program and trying to elevate players. Clement to me falls certainly in that category. So I couldn't be. I, I'd imagine I speak for the entire area. Couldn't be more proud of what Chris was able to accomplish at K State this year. And uh, and and now of course Phil he's got leverage and you know got a guy in his corner that is probably going to go to bat for him. But he's sitting. I think if you look at Big Twelve coaches' salaries. I think Chris is in that five six range, you know, in the in the, in the pecking order. Yep. My guess is he's probably going to jump pretty soon here uh, to probably in that four, you know, five four three. Otherwise, you know, didn't the guy at Kansas just get a raise? Yeah, yeah. And I think the folks in 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 uh, in the what is Kansas? The Sunflower State? What? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, is that right? Sunflower. Yep. Uh, I'm sure that's not going to go well in Manhattan. Right. Get you heard it more than Kleiman your is, uh, <laughs> right. Kleiman has accomplished a lot more than that guy has right. so far. But, but yeah. good for him. You know, good for him. That's a, that's a hard nose. I don't know how many people uh, – I think there are probably some doubters, Phil, and we talked about it last week with you on our roundtable. You know, when I think we were talking with Travis Dunn Friday about from Hackstall, the, the jump – into the NHL, and now and Brad was talking about how in Seattle we talked about how it was the perfect situation uh, for the Kraken. You know, you've got a honeymoon period that's great, and he's putting wins on the board. Now you've meshed that, and it's flowing well. So I, I don't know how many people were, were, were thinking, oh, Gene made the 
<laughs> the great move grabbing an FCS guy, and all of a sudden Chris Kleiman comes around, Phil, and, and just proves everybody, no, it can happen. We can do this. Well, and, and, and I think the people that know Chris Kleiman know that was a perfect move for him. That was an awesome move because he deserved it. I mean, he's worked hard, and, and while he was here in Fargo, I got a chance to know him pretty well, and, and just a really all-around great guy. He's one of those guys I know. I was never in the room, obviously, but right. he's one of those guys that I think you would just want to play for because he treats you with respect. He, yeah. he's, he's just He's honest. It's black and white. He doesn't, you know, try and make the big gray areas and make you wonder where you're at. No, you know, right where you're at with him. Um, and, and he, I think he's just one of those players, coaches. You can see that on the sideline. He gets animated. He gets excited. He's hugging the guys. They're all in that together. They are the the consummate team, and and he's the leader of it. He had such an honest response to the post game. I don't know if you guys saw this, and. Yep. Uh, <laughs> So they're going through the X's and O's. What you got to do, you know? We so and so did a right. nice job. These guys have carried us this year. And there's that pause, Phil. Did you see it? And, and then it yeah, climbing and then goes. Yeah. We just won, won the dang Big Twelve. You know, he's like, like, he's like, you know, nib high football rules. You know, he's like, it yeah. might as well been a state tournament championship. You know, it's like it was so odd. But that's what you're saying, yeah. Phil. It's such a genuine response from him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the guy just—he's just really a, an all-around great guy. I just, couldn't be. yeah, couldn't be. I just, uh, before the show today, uh, watched again, and I'll, I'll give a buzz out to Mark, and we'll get Johnson as the voice of the Buffs and, and, and get Mark, let things settle down in Boulder a little bit, and then get Mark on and talk about the groundswell that is Colorado with Deion Sanders. Now, Deion's got one more game to coach, and then fully will be locked into Colorado. So here, if you guys haven't seen this fallout what happened on social media at least some of the social media is somebody took the context of Deion Sanders I've watched the entire I've watched his whole thing so they took the context of Deion's speech to the players in a room some reporters there and put the context out says uh, y'all want to enter the portal you can leave now I'll bring my own luggage so they took this this context out meaning I'll bring my guys over and you guys can leave because what you've done here has been terrible for two decades. That was kind of the context of that. What you didn't see was he wants players that want to be there and things are going to change. What you're doing is not – and he came, he came full. It wasn't like I want to win the conference press conference. He was the press conference villain. He came in with such an attitude and a thing. And I thought, and of course, someone took a little context out and put that on social media, and now it got, oh, who does he think he is? He hasn't coached at the FBS level. He has no pay. He has no right. These kids have invested. Well, you know, you got to watch the whole press conference. So I don't know, Phil, uh, when, when you're Deion Sanders, he seems convicted in, in his saying. I mean, he, he speaks with conviction, and maybe that's just what a program like Colorado that has not been competitive, but, you know, once or twice in the last two decades, maybe that's what they need, huh? You know, I think it it is exactly what they need. You know, Boulder is in the bastion of liberal America, and Mm -hmm. and life's real easy, life's real cool out there, it's a really great place, you know, laid back, everything. No, he's exactly what they need. If you guys want to be a winner, here's what it's going to take. And if you want to to get there, then you got to help me get there. Um, He'll bring in some some great recruits, I'm sure. He knows how to win, obviously, right. uh, by just his record so far. And 
So I know I think I think this is exactly what Colorado needs. They need a shakeup and they need a slap in the face. Going, hey, okay, uh, we got to change direction here because it is not working at all. And, and, and to, I think yeah, and the one that to that point, I just talked about the Pac-12's got some shifting going on too. Yep. If he can yep. do that, Phil and Brad, he might be stepping into a spot where. He can make things happen, right? I mean, the Pac-12 is not going to look like the Pac-12 that we know of. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, if USC and UCLA get out of there, all of a sudden, you've just got really kind of Utah and Oregon, maybe a little bit of Oregon State to contend mm-hmm, with. Right. Um, if he gets if he gets the place going and gets the place rocking, gets that enthusiasm, gets that energy, gets people excited about CU football, that could take off in a hurry. I love it that he uh, he asked, he told these players if you and, and it's on YouTube so feel free to watch prime times and I'm not trying to sit here in just a massive case for Deion Sanders obviously he's got stuff to prove at the FBS level but you know what he doesn't he literally doesn't look like he cares what you think and I don't mind that sometimes because he's coming in there with a the, he knows his he's done if he doesn't win it he's fired too you know it's not like but, but, you know but look at it this way too Jack I mean who are those people that say oh he's never coached the FBS level he doesn't know. Well, neither did uh, Jeff Saturday. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Saturday, well, you can be in the NFL well, and get a job and not have not have head coaching. Yeah, I mean, you know that's that's a different deal. I mean, yeah, I know. Look at the coach of Wyoming. Look at the coach of Kansas State. They came from SDS levels and they were successful in the FBS yeah, level. You're right, and they still have it. So yeah. that argument just doesn't fly. Yeah, it, uh, you know, you can be a coach, you know, at high school, and if you really have. If you really have it, and you can get the kids to buy into your programs, get the kids to do what they're supposed to do, and bingo. stay, stay consistent—that's what you want. Absolute bingo. That that that's it. You yep. know, uh, coaches can preach, coaches can have good schemes, but if you don't buy in, ain't gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Exactly. Exactly. And and I think that's what Dion is trying to do. He's going to instill that. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. If you want to be part of it, great. If don't, see ya. You know, jump in the portal and we'll see you later. But I think he's 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 putting that marker down, going, okay. I want guys that really are committed that want to play football here at CU because we're going to have an exciting thing, and he will make it exciting. And um, I think that's what he's doing. And and by just by his practice conference alone. He's probably got guys lining up to want to sign. He's drawn the line. He literally drew a line. He said, you're either this, are you this, or are you that? And if you're that, see you later. But if you're this, but if you're this, I want you, and we're going to coach you. It's funny, he he told these players in there, and you've been around 18 to 22-year-olds. I don't care who you are. It's an an awkward situation because he just said, I'm right here, right now. Fire me some questions. Shoot them right now. You got me right here. Right? These guys. So so it's quiet. Come on. I'm right here. And he's just like begging them. Ask me something. And so I think one player says, are you going to keep the, uh, how many of the staffers are you going to retain? Some, but probably not many. I got boys. This guy really, <laughs> one guy says, one guy says, well, <laughs> what's going to change? Everything. Everything's and he just comes snapping back, and I thought, I don't know if I really love this press conference or not because PCs are you. We've all been in them. They're usually pretty. Let's cut some cake and the rhythm and the hand clap and shake hands and this is good. And my no, wife, but, but you here's know, the deal, Jack. Here's the deal. He's just being honest. He him, is, and that's what he's. He's going. No, I, I can't guarantee it. when when re, when regimes change. Regimes change. I will be bringing in some of the guys that I'm comfortable with that I know can do what we need to do. And some of the guys that are here will not be around. That, that's just how it works. 
And, and, and I think, you know, you can't ask for anything more than a coach to be just straight up and honest with you. Yeah, I, think I mean, I hate that... coaches that beat around the bush and make you try and figure out where you're at. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have some at North Dakota that were great. Gene Murphy was one of my favorites. Right. And he was just up front, straight up front. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going on. Here's where you're at. This is what you need to do. And it was that's what you want. That's all that you want as a player. As a collegiate athlete, I just wanted a fair shot. If I put the work in, yep. Uh, yep. give me a fair shot to, to try to win a position. That's as an athlete, right, right Phil? That's that's how yep. I was. If I if my numbers were down, I get it while I if I wasn't starting. Uh, same yep. thing for that. But as a, as a coach, you have the same right to demand. You know, everything. If you're not doing it, it's a two way uh, two way street. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yep. Uh, chatting with Brad here on the injury front. I guess since we have an orthopedic surgeon on the phone. Uh, so Lamar is not out for the season, but Jimmy Garoppolo is. Brad, I believe, is the story. That is correct. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Yeah, what is that? That fracture in his left foot. I think is what it is. Yeah. yeah, and it could be a whole host of things. It could, I, from what it looked like on the replay, it might be a Liz Frank joint, um, which is a really difficult, uh, really difficult injury to have. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, it could be a whole host of things. There could be other bones that are broken, you know, too. But it did not look good. And when they say he's out for the season, it usually is it's pretty significant because those oftentimes take anywhere three to four months to heal. And Trey Lance, you know, he had a broken How right. How about dirty though? Purdy coming in and getting it done, you know, but yeah. let's see where the Niners go. You hope Lance, he, he had a broken right ankle in week two. So Trey, by the time next year rolls along, Phil, uh, recoverable, get strength, mm-hmm. mobility back after you break an ankle, correct? I mean, that that's that yep. shouldn't be something that, that, that you really have to, I mean, once that heals and you go through the process, that's good, right? Right. And now, now the question will be, if Purdy does really good and finishes out the season and they go a long way in the playoffs, what are you going to do with Garoppolo next year? You know, Garoppolo, Jimmy G had a lot of leverage. Uh, yes, it, yes, he did. Didn't and, he? And he I think he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's he's kind of held that team together until all these other guys showed up. So, boy, do you reward him or do you put him on the practice squad to keep him? Because, you know, you, you can't keep a lot of quarterbacks. But, you know, you just got to wonder. Maybe we keep him around just in case it doesn't work out right off swimmingly with uh, Trey Lance and we need a little uh, a little help so I don't know that, that's that's going to be an interesting problem the Niners can't draft enough Wally Pips in the world <laughs> back <laughs> you got someone that can step in and get it done and Lamar's yeah. got a knee injury not a season ending one but no timetable for his return said John Harbaugh uh going to be a number of quote days to weeks he said uh, so and the injury on him, so that's uh, that's it. You know, Lamar running quarterback, and not saying that running quarterbacks uh, subject themselves, uh, but let's not kid ourselves. You know, what's what's right. I, I don't. Is there enough data? Have we had enough running quarterbacks in the National Football League to collect enough data to tell us their lifespan in the NFL? Yeah, I, I don't know. Look at look, look at Randall uh, Cunningham. Uh, yes, towards PCL. No. Oh. Look at look at um, Carson Wentz. Yeah, and Carson, loved, even though as much as he loved the pocket, he certainly loved to get out and yep. and, and and go. Yeah, I mean there there is there's a significant amount of data out there. And in fact, the Big Ten last year, I don't know I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they were putting braces on the left knee of every quarterback hmm. because when they come through and throwing as a right hand, the left knee sticks out, and they figured that they were trying to prevent an injury, and then they figured it out that it didn't necessarily. Um, 
it's more the scrambling that gets them, you know, and that's that's exactly what happens. And so when they're trying to to scramble and make a cut, uh, you know, same thing happened with McNamara at the University of Michigan. I mean, so there's data out there, and and yeah, you are putting yourself at increased risk. There's no question about it. But you you know you're at risk too if you're trying to just stay in the pocket all the time and get pummeled by those 340 pound linemen. Without question, it uh, bumper to bumper. I know Dan and JG and the company were talking about that last week. We had brought it up here about is the day. I think I asked the question: Is the day and age of a pocket passer quarterback in the NFL is that a dinosaur now? Is that it? And they were. I, I was listening to the show later and bumper to bumper last week, and they were talking about the same thing. And pretty much the same conclusion we thought, that, that you're not going to see yep. as many pocket guys, but in the same nope. vein, then you better have a whole host of backup dudes that can run then, too, out of the pocket because we're going to see, as you just described, Phil, uh, these injuries. So and Kirk Cousins, well, the-, the fact that Kirk Cousins is still upright at times because <laughs> he got dinged around a little bit, too, <laughs> you know, good yeah. for good for Kirk. Well, what do we consider? Would we consider Aaron Rodgers a pocket quarterback, even though he can get out and run once in a while and has in the past? Or yeah, where, does he, where does he fit? I, I think he's a hybrid. You know, he's, he's not a true scrambling right. quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Guys, but he's kind of a hybrid. He can get out when, when the kitchen's pretty hot. But but his mobility is less and less each year. But he's got such a great arm that he just flicks that wrist. Boom. Yeah. You know, what? Them. In fact, we've never asked that question. Define scrambling quarterback. Right. You know, define mm-hmm. running quarterback. Tarkenton? Well, he ran 30 yards backwards to run 15 yards forwards. <laughs> right. And 20 yards sideways, right. you know. So I guess, you, you know, he was the scrambler, like the, the scrambling guy. But, yeah, what is the definition of a, you know. Dak Prescott will get out a little bit, but he's been dinged up enough where he doesn't really want to because right. he's got guys in the back. I mean, I guess see, Kirk Cousins would fit that mold well. Yeah. But even, and I suppose Tom Brady would too because he doesn't get out and scramble, but he can move around. How about, well, I guess see, Mahomes would fit the hybrid quarterback mode, although he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he'll get out and scramble, but he's not a pure running quarterback. He's, he's not Lamar Jackson. To that, me, so. the, a quarterback that is what you call a, a dual threat runner is a, is a quarterback that looks to run sooner before staying through all his progressions. Okay. To me, right? Does that make sense? He would look to run. Yes. Yeah. And default to that. So that's a, it's a good point, but I, I know. I think a real good example of that right now in the collegiate level is JJ McCarthy. Yeah. yeah, I mean he he, he kind of looks to run first, but he'll but he'll stay in the pocket as long as necessary if he's got guys open, and then he'll toss the long bomber. But but he's not afraid to run it at all, and you're seeing more and more of those college kids do that. But but you but you know it's risky. That's the whole thing, and then you increase the level of risk a little bit uh, by doing that. By if you make a plant and, and a, a real cut, you'll blow your knee, or you may get hit from a, hit from the side. You may get hit from underneath. Yeah, I mean. All those things kind of increase exponentially as far as the the risk of injury. So you've got to be a little bit careful. But let's face it, I mean, the game is becoming faster and faster and faster and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you just can't sit in that pocket and get pummeled like that um, and expect to, to let your body hold up. I mean, you've got to get out and, and make some other things happen, and that's what's happening. The uh, We'll let Phil go here. I guess we're up against the clock. Uh, baseball world, uh, how about uh, Justin Verlander? Inside a two-year, $86 million deal with the New York Mets. So after leading the Astros to a World Series title, got a two-year deal at $43 million per year. And the crime dog, ladies and gentlemen, the crime dog is a Hall of Famer. 
this guy got balls in the air quicker than any bat yes. I've remember. I mean, he would swing. You talk about trajectory. He would hit. He would hit home runs that went into like upper, like slow pitch softball home runs. Right, <laughs> Fred McGriff. So good for Freddie. We did not get Murph in though, which which nah, makes no, me. But, but I don't know if we'll. I don't know if Murph will ever make it. But. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just that's just me going back to my childhood. The Storm and Marmon. Yeah. Wow, we yeah. both just yeah. You're you're that's your guy. That was one of your was, guys, that was right? My boy, that's your guy, him Dale, and, Dale him and Kirby. Yep. Oh, man alive! All right, Doc. Good stuff. Hey. Now, are you heading off to yep. uh, Kamchatka or uh, Kazakhstan? Uh, or no, I'm I'm heading out to Moncton, New Brunswick. That's it. Halifax, Halifax, Nova Scotia. But if anybody wants to know, the the uh, roster comes out today on USA Hockey. I think they're going to announce it during one of the games tonight, but it'll be on the website, usahockey.com, so you'll see all the okay. players that are invited to camp here at Plymouth that starts next Monday, and then we'll be there for about five days, and then we board our little charter flight and head over to St. John, New Brunswick, and play a couple games in the prelim round, and then uh, get settled in for the tournament, where we'll be, it'll be at Moncton. Uh, so that'll be, it, it should be fun. And how about a Huge shout out to the Barnesville Trojans. We open up a part of the win the opening the, segment. Yeah, they, yeah. They win the state championship, and poor DGF. Oh, oh what a way to like we oh, said, it's the agony of defeat. I mean, it's just like Absolutely. everything. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad you got it in though. We kind of bookend the show with that. Uh, there we go. Good stuff, Doc. As always, we'll chat at you soon. Good stuff today, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I'll talk to you next Monday. You got it. Orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Phil Johnson. Quick time out, put a camp. Busy week ahead of us on 740 The Fan and our sports properties. We'll tackle that next right here on 740 The Fan. Yes. Hey, thanks to the text club at 35270. We had thrown the question out. Our question today today was FCS or 1AA players, if you will, back in the day, that had the biggest impact their, their rookie seasons right away in the NFL. So, Brad, you know, I were throwing out some, some yeah. names there, and, and uh, we just got we, – we totally – I'll say I. I totally – I you did know, too, okay, we, okay, we Randy Moss. <laughs> we missed Randy Moss, Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great text. That's the other texter says, Doc Phil, not being biased, Alabama is one of the best four teams in the country. SEC still the best conference in football. Yeah, Doc's going to stick up for his Wolverines, isn't yeah, he? He's going to be so. all Michigan um, up right there. Surprisingly good, bad, and ugly that UND hockey wasn't in there. It well, was a rough weekend. Boy, it's Saturday, too. To... Brad, in the, in, the, in the realism here, yeah. Um, what has to happen now? And I get it. I mean, we got. Are we talking about stringing points here now? Right? I mean, are well, they at that point yet? Or uh, they well, I would say maybe after this weekend, you got another road swing. What Western Michigan? We had a bet. You, be, you better get one in Western. If, oh, if not I, two. Yes. Oh, I think. Well, you, you got to get at least one, and then come back post, and and then just yeah. get hot. I mean, Friday night was just kind of a lot. You know, that that just got away late. But then Saturday. Saturday was tough because it three was a nothing, three nothing, three lane, nothing, right? and then it just for the last half of the game just spiraled out of control. Yeah. And you know, I, I know Hacks had some teams that have been like that that it got mm-hmm. hot in the second half, and yeah. I'm sure you know. So, you I know. guess if you can just get you know in this case because the regionals in Fargo, if you can just get in the tournament. That's yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. You just you got to be able to get in, but. On behalf of uh, Brad, myself, and all that do uh, play-by-play, I'd like to thank the University of Pittsburgh because on this date, 1908, 
the University of Pittsburgh, Brad, numerals were used for the first time on football uniforms. Could you imagine calling a game without numbers? Oh, boy. There that goes the long hair guy. There. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you'd have to every every <laughs> physical feature you would have to. Could you imagine broadcasts? They're all wearing the same shoes. Of a, mm-hmm. of a football game where numerals weren't being used. Boy, that say be, you know what? Somebody else can go. To that'd this. be that'd be, I'll, I'll go do something else, be an intriguing broadcast, wouldn't it? Right. Hey, all right. Uh, stick around. Uh, Monday night football tonight. Uh, the Saints in Tampa on our brother station. Uh, KFGO, and you got a busy week. Got some high school hoops this week and more. Stick around. Common Man is next right here on 740 The Fan KNFL.